Welcome to the Speculation Station podcast. Welcome. Where we speculate about stuff, mostly objects. Mystery objects that yep. one of us brings in each week. This week it's... It's me, Tom, and Will will be speculating on the object, and he'll be coming up with topics for us to talk about. And then from there we'll go wherever we please. So let's dive right in with today's object. Are you ready? I shall close my eyes. Yes, you better do. I'll move my glass away. Shall I present hands together, slightly apart, very yeah, far apart? Yeah. Uh, tense your muscles, uh, but not not no no not your hand muscles, just your arm. Okay, just my arm muscles, but not my hands. Oh God, it's heavy. Okay, now this is clearly, I say clearly, probably a camera case. Yeah, uh, it has a lovely leathery feel to the actual case itself. There's a protrusion where I believe the lens resides, and lots of little kind of clasps and, and attachments, and uh, that keep it together oh yeah that's that feels good yeah, yeah. so i'm gonna take a look yeah please do Ooh. okay let's take a look at this camera okay so it's a real classic old style film camera with all the bells and whistles that you'd hope for it to have oh it feels really cool to hold and you've got that it's really chunky you, yeah you wind the film round oh god yeah Okay, have you ever used this? Yes, I used to use it uh, I developed photographs of it with my from it with my dad in a uh, uh, what do you call it? In a dark room with yeah. uh, with the with all the different chemicals and whatnot. Did you have a purpose made dark room at home, or did you make my, one? My dad got a dark room and uh, he got the machine and basically built made his own dark room in the downstairs toilet. <laughs> in the downstairs toilet, for the creative man on the move. Love it. Yeah, it had the washing machine and stuff in there as well, so it was like a utility room at the same time. But we used it to. Uh, uh, yeah, and he got me into photography a little bit, so I did, a, he, I did a lot. How long have had this camera? Uh, since I was a teenager, maybe since I was 14, 15, okay. I can't even remember. It was about 10 quid or something, I don't know. Wow, maybe, really? Maybe I bought it off, I feel like I, I, it was either that, I see, I can't quite remember, either I bought it like second hand, or I was given it because people knew I was into photography, or knew I was into that kind of thing at the age, yeah, you know, creative. they were like encouraging me to be creative. I feel like one of my uncles could have given it to me but i actually don't remember but it's it, it you know it was a nice little simple uh slr camera that just did, mm. it, did its job basically and it's proper film classic film there's no digital aspect to no, that camera I at bet. all do you still have an interest in photography now uh here and there but i'm just very good at okay. it it's just not my thing really but i i certainly yeah i was really into it i like the manipulation of images a lot what it makes me think of immediately is photojournalism Ooh, because I like, I like. journalism is such a huge part of our cultural cohesion. It allows us to stay in touch with what's going on both at home and overseas as well, especially in an increasingly turbulent modern society. And I think photojournalism is sometimes a forgotten part of that. We read these articles online, mm-hmm. in the news articles, and it's always accompanied by a photo. And you look at the photo and you read the article... But I think the brain gives more credence and precedence to the article itself rather than the photo. But really, there are some shockingly, you know, graphic and stirring photos from from the world around. Well, there's us. the famous one that, uh, of the of the of the kid in the migrant crisis, isn't there? The dead kid washing up on the shore. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah which you know it made even David Cameron. And now you mentioned it. There was also one similar to that recently with a Syrian girl lying slash cowering. 
next to the the corpse of her baby brother or sister oh, having been bombed. Jesus Christ, yeah. So photo War photography is particularly interesting. Yeah, yeah, and these people go out into these incredibly dangerous situations just so that they can bring that information back to us. So that's what I'm going to say for today. That's our big concept, photojournalism. Fantastic. Your approach to it is your own butter. Well, so, uh, so immediately my angle is, okay, let's tell the story mm. okay, of a war journalist. Lovely. Of, a photojournalist, of course. I think we should go on that angle. Yeah. Like a journalist in the war, maybe f- for, the, for the shit of it, let's go for the First World War. Yeah. When photography would be a little bit less uh, good, when photography was a bit weaker and a little bit more clunky around the edges. A lot more requisite on your own skill. Yeah, exactly. Days, a digital yeah. camera, you can kind of set it up and it so does a because, for and you. It, because First World War photography, both film and, uh, and still image, both of those were very difficult at the time to mm. do and to achieve. But there is, there are images. Are we setting this hypothetical story during the First World War? Uh, that's my. It's a very interesting turbulent time. I think that's that, that's where I'm going to aim. I'm going to write that down first. Then, so First World War. I've just realised I could have written WW1 and saved myself some <laughs> effort. But there you go. So yeah, it's weird that it's again. Uh, it's often known, of course, as the Great War before there was a second one. That's true. <laughs> yes, yeah, great having different meanings to different people. Uh, I think great in this meaning, it can mean both grand and large and, you know... Wonderful. Yeah, I guess it can mean wonderful. Well, yeah. some people did consider it to be wonderful. I think, relatively recently, you and I have both seen Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old. Yes, which is an incredible work of art. Eye-opening. For anyone who doesn't know, Peter Jackson and his team took footage from the First World War from the Imperial War Museum in London, and they took something like 6,000 hours' worth of audio recordings of people, mostly men, who had fought in that conflict and had been a part of that conflict, and lay- layered these audio recordings on top of these amazing images of the war that they had um, cleaned up, they had smoothed out the, mm. the frame rate, they had colorized it, they had made it high definition. Absolutely astonishing. Oh, the colorizing was... And the fact they made it widescreen and everything. Well, there's that moment. We'll quickly talk about this before we move on. No, it's fine. Go That moment, so if if anyone hasn't seen it, and I don't want to spoil it, but hey, you're going to see it at some point and whatever. So the first... Explain how it starts, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, the first 10, 15 minutes, surprisingly, because I'd heard so much about it and I thought, oh, is this black and white? I thought it was meant to be coloured. So 10, 15 minutes of these quite small square aspect ratio videos sitting in the middle of your TV screen at a quite high frame rate, people moving in that fast where they did in, in old-timey movies, um, <laughs> of people back home in the UK signing up at these long lines to sign up for the war. Sign up isn't the right term, you know what I mean. Enlist. Enlist, yeah, there we go. Um, and then some, some also small square aspect ratio footage of people at the war and about 15 minutes I in, think it's basically at the moment the realities of the war start to hit. Set in. They expand that small black and white square to fill the screen as it expands it colorizes and the sound of the war enters into the the theater of it that's it not just the recordings of the men but their own sound effects they put on of artillery shells and you're for me it's the and i said this to you at the time it's the only time i've ever had my breath literally taken away oh, by it's a incredible spectacle. moment went, oh, it's amazing it, it took it, it literally I, I was on the edge of tears at that moment. I, oh, I nearly I, I cried a number of times in that oh, movie absolutely. because just just hearing it but of course because it's narrated over by the voices but what they also do as well is the sound effects as you say 
to sort of bring it to life. And also, just they add in chatter where you can sort of yes. hear partial conversations. And they probably made it up, most of it, or invented yes. it, or did some lip reading. I think they did some they lip reading. They did a lot of lip reading. To, to try and get what these real people were saying and got some actors to put the voices in. Yeah. And it was incredible. So and you felt it's the first time I've seen the First World War. Well, I, I remember Peter Jackson saying that they really wanted to move away from that old-timey Charlie Chaplin style, everyone moves quickly, black and white footage that you cannot possibly relate to. Yeah. As soon as, it, as it's in essentially 24 frames per second and it's in colour and there are people like you oh, and I, men of our age, that's it, you talking see, and chatting. You see their faces and you go, I know that guy. I know that guy. He could be anyone I know right now. I know that guy. And it's just incredible. And and it, all of that is thanks to the amazing war photographers of the time. Yes, which is a really good way of bringing us back into what Precisely we're talking about. Precisely my Very plan. Well <laughs> but it also gives us a nice, turbulent platform upon which to build this so, political story. So, yeah, I think uh, let's tell this as it, let's talk about this as if it's an, a plot of a, let's say, a movie. Well, actually, let's say a historical drama. I like as that. As if it's a real-life story. Or like a serial, yeah. And that we've said, okay, let's tell the story of this real-life person. So let's yeah. start with the individual. Who is this journalist? I would actually really like for it to be a woman, a female war. Oh, it, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, the, the First World War and the Second World War were amazing times for women in the West, certainly in the UK. The men went off to fight, and suddenly the women were left doing everything else. Every job yeah, under yeah, the sun yeah. imaginable. So a female war well, photographer. And there were a lot of... Uh, there was uh, female auxiliaries and stuff like that at this time. Anyway, were, so yes. It makes a lot of sense. It might be the sort of task that they were they were asked to do. So Haven't you, you mentioned you've had a relative who did this? A female relative? Uh, not, not in the First World War. Um, Second World War. My uh, grandmother was in the female auxiliary corps in the Second World War. Yeah, we looked this up, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We presumed that she There's lots of served in a kind of logistical, con- uh, you know, Precisely. aspect in in France, probably on the front I've, lines. Yeah, and I've got some of her memorabilia knocking around, and uh, but yeah, and my weirdly, my granddad in that same war was a nurse, so they kind of gender gender bended the roles yes, a, a bit little of bit. Yeah, traditional gendering. Yes, and I like that. They met during that. I don't know how exactly. I, I so wish I knew a little bit then, more about that we've story. We've got this probably young lady. Mm. Who? What? What is she doing in England at the time when war breaks out? What is her life like? Uh, let's give her a fucking name. Okay. Um, like uh, Ethel. I like Ethel. That's a very classic. Uh, classic era name. Ethel. Um. Ethel Gray. Ethel Gray. Love that. Gray is a great, great surname. Gray spelt with an A. I, that's exactly what I've written. Which is, which is, by the way, the American way of spelling the the, the, the colour. Apparently, gray. it's more common. Though it, there's an argument over it generally. So. I, I'm fine with either one. Same for the colour. Yeah. Okay. Like Ethel either gray. and either. <laughs> <laughs> you can use either either one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Ethel Grey. So which, how old is she at the in uh, 1914? 17. 17. Oh fucking hell. Because I mean, so many of the people who were critical yeah. to that war and those that machinery at the time. We're at 16, 17, 18. So, now, let's say... I'm immediately going, did she have to pretend to be a man to get to where she is? Oh, that's a classic story. Did she have to, or was it unnecessary at the time? Well, to I just, get I to don't the, know. Well, to get to the front lines, probably yes. I'm going to say they she wouldn't have let a woman go anywhere near the war unless so, they thought yeah, she was so a man. So, faked being a man, yeah. Okay, so she was 17... At the outbreak. So she yeah. might have been, say, 18 by the time that, you know, she's actually going to do these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By a the very time. young, you know, impressionable woman. Yeah, but uh, maybe it's obviously... Uh, 
happy to dress up as a guy, so short hair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, probably had short back and sides. Uh, you know, tapes her tapes her bosom down. Yeah, classic. Um, How does she get the job? How does she get a job as a photographer that then gets sent off to the front So, lines? yeah, maybe, what's her background before that? I think she has a, a totally unrelated background. I've seen a few documentaries from, you know, the BBC and Channel mm. 4 and other people in the UK about the social times of people living, you know, during the First World War and mm. Second World War. And for women... There wasn't really much to do. You might have a job, so you might go work at a mill, for example, mm. for a long time, and then you'd go back home and you'd make dinner for the rest of your family. Even if you were just a daughter, not even a wife, you'd probably be expected to be some kind of a matriarch for your family and provide and and clean and cook and and care for. So let's give her a. Let's say she's from the north of England because mm. the north has a very proud oh, industrial okay. heritage. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, yeah. Ethel Grey from Yorkshire, apparently from her accent. Hi, right, she's from Yorkshire. Yorkshire. We're getting close to a Lancashire accent, but Yorkshire's fine. Yorkshire. It is the biggest county of the UK. So Yorkshire, so a little bit. Good Yorkshire lass. So actually, in in a way, she don't take no shit from no one. Yeah, I like that. So that 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 stereotypical uh... gritty, pull yourself up oh. by your bootstraps, northern soul. And she works at any number of places. So, so maybe she actually, as you say, worked at one of the cotton mills that are all over yeah. Yorkshire. That's just full it. of them. Yeah, cotton so, mill. Cotton so worked mill at a worker. Comma. Worked. And let's say she's a member of a large family. Uh, yes. Uh, Married, well, you know, Catholic Carlton. even? Catholic or Protestant for the North. Because Catholics have large families, tend to. They could even be uh, another denomination, uh, Baptist, Presbyterian. But let's say Catholic. Because you your no contraception rule, so thus ginormous family. So it has like uh, seven brothers and sisters. Exactly, and always struggled to make herself known and be seen and be made aware of. So she's got that motivation to be someone, be something. So she works in a cotton mill in Yorkshire. And maybe at school, she has a tiny, tiny opportunity to be creative. Maybe a little bit of painting, maybe some needlework. Mm. So her creative outlet has been slightly ignited and she knows that she'd like to do something on that front. But she becomes aware of the war, you know, 19... Well, the possibility of war in 1914, I think it's still really... Let's say 1914, yeah. And that triggers something within her. What would a young person in the UK think about the prospect of a European conflict? Oh, it's pretty fucking crazy. But is it exciting? I think is, is it would. Any- I think it would be exciting. It certainly was for those guys at the time. It certainly, certainly for the, the the men joining up. I don't know. Obviously, in, in her case, it must be similar. That sort of sense of the energy of like we're going to defend our country. We're going to defend what we believe in. You know these people believe something different and this whole thing had been teetering on the brink for a long time so it's not like they weren't know that there was the possibility of the two great fat you know mm. the two great factions on either side yes. and there can't possibly be a war if there are two great factions they're balancing against each other but i have an imagine i have an imaginative idea here i hope it's imaginative let's say like you know like the classic woman dresses as man story she tries to join up, dressed as a man. She goes down to the local enlisting station, wherever it was called. And because it's local, they, they know, know her. her. Right? And the guy says, oh, Ethel Grey. Always trying right, tricks I can see it. that was you from a mile off. Yes, long, so. Mr. Miggins the Milkman. Mr. Miggins the Milkman is in charge of enlisting local folk. Yeah. And he knows it's her. Yeah. And she doesn't really have time to travel to outside the region to join up somewhere else. 
So what can I do instead? And there's a, there's an advert in the local paper, the uh, the, uh, the, the the Derby Dale Courier. And the Derby Dale, I like that. Which yeah. is Derbyshire, but never mind, doesn't matter. Uh, near Denby Dale is in Yorkshire. That's what uh, you're confusing. That's very true. That's where I've got it from. Yeah. So she sees an advert in the paper for uh, wanted a young lad to take. Uh, Pictures over in Europe of our brave troops heading out yeah, to war. Our brave Tommies heading out. So let's say she thinks that the job is, as it, as it sounds like, simply to go over onto the mainland continental Europe and basically take some photos of men as they go off to the front lines, but she doesn't think she'll get sent to the front, front lines, yes. which is what ends up happening. Yeah, I like that, yeah. Okay. So she wants an adventure. So let, let, let's talk about why, 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 why does she want to do this? Why doesn't she want to take I mean there are many obvious reasons but like in your in your imagination why yeah. would she not want to stay safe at home because safe is all she's ever known mm-hmm. if, as you said if she's got seven siblings brothers and sisters right she, how, where does she sit in that is she the eldest the youngest middle Oh, middle she's ground is very difficult. Yes, yeah, so my she, wife's she, a middle she, child. My dad was a middle child. It's a, yes. a very odd position, neither here nor there, and seven of them as well. So you've got two loving parents, mm. seven siblings, and there you are in the middle, kind of neither noticed nor unnoticed. So staying safe is all she's ever known. She's always been in the middle, protected by people on that side, the older kids, protected on that side by the younger kids, sitting in the middle of a lovely yes. family sandwich. So it's just a desire to do anything that's not what she already knows. And isn't that a drive for so many people? Yes. What yes. drives almost everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So she's kind of looking for adventure life to make, to build her career, to build her life, to build her... Yeah, to, to just discover who she is. So it's a kind of coming-of-age story we're telling oh, here. Oh, I really like that. Coming-of-age stories are really Classic, accessible. yeah, yeah. Classic, yeah. So um, immediately at this point, so we're going in... I want obviously there's an obvious antagonizing force which is the war but yes. I want to sort of drill it down to specific antagonists in her more local situation personal antagonists yes probably one if we can get it down who who, who who's is it another photographer or is it the people trying to stop her being is photographer it a military you know a military person who doesn't want her anywhere near it yeah and I think this military person not because she's a woman I don't think that should be the issue it's because the photo she takes and sends back home a brutal yeah and gives gives the the people back home the wrong idea and, and <sighs> we were big on our wartime propaganda we were the americans were ah look at the the young plucky troops in the front lines <laughs> they're doing just fine no one's dying don't look too much into it bye now yes right i love that yeah so 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 she 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 does realistic she does deadly realistic journalism realistic photos yeah, she maybe thinks that she can take some creative photos of what? plucky young men, but she realises very soon that her, her calling is to show the truth. So what's the photo, the first photo? Ah. So is it of, like, no man's land, or is it of dead body, bodies lying in the trenches? What's that first photograph okay. that's a step too far for this commanding officer? It's a group of young men, as they mm. always were in this, in this theatre. A group of young men... Selling around, smoking their cigarettes, drinking their mm. drinks, and in the middle of them, in the mud, is a is a corpse of another young man. Okay, and yes. it shows the two sides. Yes, we've sent off our lads to war, and yes, they're almost content, but it, but in the middle of them, in the focus of everything, one of them oh, is yes. dead. Oh yes, sort of half submerged in the mud, and 
like decaying a bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of that. Yeah, and, and some of the guys are kind of half smiling, like they're oh, we're at war. It's okay, isn't it? And the other half are like, oh, here's one of our. And friends maybe there's dead. a commanding officer in the background, sort of doing the doing some kind of prayer or something like that to show the. Yes, the maybe solemn- fingering some rosary beads. Yes. 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 Okay. Let's write some of this down. Uh, so yeah, so I, I love this sort of like the idea of her having this sort of deadly photo that was super controversial at the beginning and they're not happy about her sending it back right yes in fact uh you know the military intelligence stationed in the area is giving her express denial to send it back they're saying you do not in send fact her. maybe they're not saying get rid of it or destroy it they're saying send it to military intelligence instead of sending it to the press back home to the you press know, back your, your home. back home yes and uh, so and so that impetus drives her to then take more photo, photo, f- photographs of the brutality and the truth of war, right? Yes, OK, I'm going to write this down. OK, so her first major pick is of young men, um, you know, sitting around... Kind of drinking to the... Almost, yeah, almost nonchalantly, let's say. Sort of, but slightly celebrating the the death of their fallen comrade. Yes, around uh, that's a good way of describing it. Their fallen comrade, or comrade, comrade, <laughs> comrade. That's not a normal way that's of speaking. That's the way the Yorkshireman would say, comrade, comrade. Aye, right. So uh, okay, let's let's give a uh, you know to to give a label to this. Who, who? What's the name of the antagonist? The person. Now, that's what I was hoping we'd get to. So. Uh, uh, what position are they in? Colonel. Uh, I, I like Colonel. Oh, aggressive. Colonel always sounds pretty uh, strict, yeah. Uh, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like... Benjamin Hampton or something I like think that. Benjamin I like, and the surname should include the, the sound Wick. Wick, like Wickham or... No, Wick, um, not Wick. Borwick Wicked. or... <laughs> you Borwick? Yeah. Benjamin Borwick. Yes! <laughs> Colonel Benjamin... Um... Benjamin Bulwick, yeah. Benjamin Bulwick, yes, antagonist. So let's talk about his him a little bit. So actually, maybe, like, the best antagonist, he's quite sympathetic in that he doesn't want people back home to know the horrors of war. He wants yeah. them to believe in their troops, send more young men out to help the help the cause, and just keep, so, keep the status quo. So what's his career? Is he... <gasps> he's long-standing? A, he, is a, he is bitter because he was a frontline commander... Ooh. who lost an eye or a leg, a limb, an appendage to the war, and now is, you know, has to settle with being military intelligence and not fighting, but fighting the the fight of the mind instead of the body. Okay, so, yeah, so he's a little bit of military intelligence guy and sort of cracking down and saying, okay, so what's, what's, what's the first thing he does to stop her? Does he say, uh, you're not allowed... I we- think it's actually pretty, pretty ballsy. He tries to just send her home. You know, you're not. You're. This isn't your place. You're too young. Mm. Does he know she's a woman? Not right away. Not right away. Okay. Okay, but we can have the classic. He slightly fancies her, but doesn't realise he fancies her, and he's worried uh, about being gay. Yes. Right. The classic uh, Blackadder scenario with Bob. With Bob. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, so, that, that's where I'm going with this. But that's an interesting examination of the male psyche of the early 20th century, which was very. Uh, socially structured and quite strict in mm. its in its outward behaviour and of course there must have been so many people who had you know what might have been described as sexually div- deviant or perverse thoughts and yes. thought you know what it feels natural to me 
So yeah, a small exploration. He's a of, bit confused by sexual confusion, but yes. that's well, that's what makes him extra aggressive against her. As yes, well, right? okay, love that. Um, so, so he 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 cuts in and yeah. So the first time he's like tries to. How does he try to send her home? Does he like? Put on a boat. What, what what kind of things does he do? He tries to use legitimate military channels to sign in like an edict or an order, saying that this is that the, the front lines will no longer okay accept journalistic uh, attachment. So why does that fail? Because she, I mean, she has to have agency. So she appeals to someone uh, that it doesn't happen. Or let's say one of her photos, one of her other photos contains some military intelligence that she sends over the head of Colonel Benjamin Bullwick. <laughs> she sends it to, you know, the, the major or the field commander behind enemy lines. And he says, ah, this is good work. You've really yeah. got some good photographs here. You must stay on station. We, we need you out in no man's land. That's it. So that kind of ups her role. Exactly. So rather than being sent home as the colonel wants, she's actually sent even more into the thick of it. Yeah, and happens to be working in the same... She's she's actually stationed. That's the wrong word. Uh, stationed is fine. Stationed with military intelligence is what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, attached to them. Attached to military intelligence. So she's actually attached to his unit, right? Where he's going. So they're going out and spying on the German trenches. Okay. And during no man's land or whatever, uh, to try and get uh, to help get actual intelligence on the German lines. So that's what she's forced to do, and she has to work with Bolwick. So we're pushing these people I together. Love that. And um, I was thinking, speaking of that then... So that's the first plot point, by the so way. So let's say the first, <laughs> the first half of the story for the antagonist Bulwark, it's he's trying to send her home. Yes. As you mentioned, there's this underlying subconscious attraction to her, which no, he, he, d- he just doesn't about. know about. He just can't yes. work it out. When he maybe later on finds out that she's actually a woman, he discovers she's a woman or, or you know, discovers it for himself, and that he accepts the idea that he's attracted to her, maybe even in love with her he's then torn between the idea of sending her home to protect her and keeping her there to be with her yes and he's torn between do i send her home do i keep her here however in that case how do you maintain the antagonistic element how does he still oh because she's not into him right oh no surely not sorry for him yeah 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 because this guy probably he's a little ugly you know, uh, that, that that's that's the obvious way of uh, of thinking about it. He's not a good-looking guy, but it's also maybe he he's just a dick, so she doesn't like him. You know, he's a weasley. Yeah, personality friction. I'm thinking yeah. Captain Darling from Blackadder. You know, that kind of kind of officious, a little bit officious, a little too officious. Yes, a little bit too by the book sort of guy, and she's never and. You know, so he's a bit he's a bit creepy, perhaps. To her, yes. Yeah, and she, maybe she gets on with some of the other guys. Maybe there could be a love some interest. Some of his lower orders. But she, there could be a love interest, but it's not him, and that really no. drives So maybe around the midpoint of the story, maybe while, while they're out in no man's land, right, he, you know, and there's a battle, there's a shell, you know, she falls down and somehow she, he finds out she's a woman. I don't know how that's obvious other than the boobs flopping out or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, her, yeah. her bindings break. Yeah, without it being too, too you know, egregious. Too, yeah, and too dirty and naughty. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, yes. But somehow he finds out she's a woman, right? Or, or even maybe she reveals to one of the other soldiers that she's maybe got a love interest with yeah. that she's a woman secretly and that person keeps the secret like she's got a little uh, ally right yeah. so like at one of the Tommies or something like that so 
Uh, so you, let, let's think about some of the other characters who could be like her love interest or who could be her ally in this situation yes uh, a good honest Tommy oh, honest Tommy good yeah. honest Tommy one of the you know the uh, ranks of you know common ranks of the infantry um, but there's got to be something sparky about him something which makes her as a creative and independent type attracted to so, him so well yeah, well if she's sort of a photographer uh, you know, maybe, do you want him to be, because there's two ways you could go, she's like him, you know, she's obviously dying for danger, this person, you know. Mm, she, in she, a way, yeah, it, Maybe he's kind of a little bit the opposite, maybe he's a bit of a... A bit more grounded? Yeah, I was going to say grounded, but also kind of like, not pleased about the horrors of war. She's kind of going to take her photograph. She's picked up the camera, you know. Mm. She's she's running in there to take a photograph of the German trenches despite the, the, the machine gun fire. Yeah. Uh, but he is a little bit of, fuck that. I want to hang out in my trench and, you know, you know. I know who he is. Yeah. He's a spiv. A spiv! Right? He sells. Yes. He sells everything he can to, to the troops, you know, gets his hand wherever he can. Coffee, tobacco, mm. you know, bully beef, um, spam, whatever it might be. He tries to get in a porn, that's a big one. He yes. tries to get his hand on it. And as much as he appears to be a happy go lucky, confident type of spirit, oh, you know, whatever you want, I've got it. That is hiding his aversion to war. So yes. when she goes out to the front lines, he's saying, no, He's stay actually terrified here. for her, yeah. 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 Oh, you know, you stay with me in my trench. I'll sell the guys a few things. I'll give you a few cigarettes if you need them, whatever. Tell you what, I can keep here. you away from the front lines. You know, I, I skive off by hiding here when they go over the top. So maybe, you know, he's almost trying to make a normal life for them in the trenches. So I'm already saying he's from East London and he's rough yeah, around the edges. Yeah, let's go. Of course, all the spivs were. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they weren't, they are culturally from East London. Yeah, the yeah. Cotton, yeah. And so maybe, actually, as much as she thought she was attracted to him for all his happy-go-lucky confidence, the fact that she sees through to a certain, dare I say, cowardice underneath yes, drives her more towards the colonel, who, for all his... Opposition to her is someone who goes out there mm. and gets shit done. Yeah, and she admires. So, so, so it's kind of like we've got, the, dare I say it, Hunger Games, the two love interests fighting each yes, other. Yes, the of thing. Uh, the Twilight Triangle. Yes, yes. So yes, our Twilight Triangle in the First World War. Yes, we have uh, Ethel Grey. Um, we have Colonel Benjamin Bulwick, and then we need the name of our Spiv. The Spiv, uh, Mikey. Uh, Oh, yeah, I like Mikey uh, Minchins. Okay, so there's an implication of a Germanic yes. heritage there, which might not do him very well. Yeah, Mikey Minchins. So, yeah, maybe that's where he gets ripped on for being a, a bit German or something like that. People think he's a German spy. And so, well, maybe together, what what, what kind of things do they do together when they're hanging out in the trenches, her her and Mikey? Because they're, okay, they're going to they, spend... They sing classic musical, music hall songs of London. Of course, yeah. She uh, takes or, photos of him, or, probably. Or she's, she's northern, she's Yorkshire, so he teaches her the, the most current yeah. music hall songs of London. And what does she give him in return? Well, I think she takes photos of him and the lads. I like him that. And his mates, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and they and, do funny poses they, they do stupid, yeah, stupid poses, okay. silly things in front of... In front of her, and of course they think she's just one of the guys. He's the, and I think Mikey Minchins is probably the one who's first revealed that, unless it's not, unless it's Bullwick who's, knows, who, who yeah. finds out that she that she's a woman, and I I think that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really cool keeping it like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she loves him. So then you've got a triangle. So Ethel 
fancies Mikey Minchins, and then Colonel Benjamin fancies Ethel. Ethel yeah. We've got a love triangle. Yes, and the rest of the the rest of Mikey's squad look down at them because like you're getting very close to this bloke. Oh yeah, yeah. What does she call herself? What's her male pseudonym? Oh, how do we right. not think of that? I mean, novice ones like Billy. You know. Yeah. Okay. We'll start with Billy. And then we need a really hardcore surname, really strong surname, <laughs> uh, like Swathen. That's not Swathen. Str- Compton. Uh, Compton. Um, Carruthers. Carruthers. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we have a good friend called Carruthers. So that seems... <laughs> that's a good point. Yes. Okay, Billy Carruthers. Where does she say she's from? Just just Yorkshire, I guess. I guess she says to... Yorkshire because yeah. the accent. It's not. It's, yeah. And why would you lie about that? What? Just to speculate a little, because that's what that's what we do. If this happened, if a woman really had gone out to the front lines mm. to be a man, what would be the greatest challenges facing her? I guess it's the physical rough and tumble that men tend to engage in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all men engage in, of course, so she could play it to be one of those men, yeah. Keeping her identity secret would be a big one. Yeah, I run. think, yeah, and just because men wrestle each other and fight each other. Yes, in and war, there's that close contact. And, you know, strapping your t- Yeah, again, that idea of taking your clothes off in front of other men, which men yeah. do and don't care so much. I guess the, the 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 dirtiness. Maybe she's okay with that. This character seems like she's okay with the violence, the yeah. dirtiness so much. Um, Maybe there's also a challenge of fitting in with the male mindsets, and not just the physical side of it, sure. but also kind of having to laugh along to their black humour jokes. Oh yes, of course, the the, the 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 dirty male jokes about women. Yeah, well, she doesn't well. think it's funny, of course, but she she yes, knows she has to yes. laugh along to keep in. Well, with of them. course, you know, again, men 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 talking like love to talk about penises, love to talk about dicks, love to talk about. You know the girls they fancy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, blood, that, violence. So sex. that's probably going to make her comfortable. But she'll probably just, in my opinion, if she's committed to this goal, she'll probably go along with it and join yes. in, maybe even to some extent. But it probably find it maybe initially difficult. What about the down and dirty necessities of womanhood? Oh I. Jesus Christ! I hadn't even thought cycle. of that. Yeah. How does she deal with that? To be it honest, happened a lot. So it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was lots of. Medical bindings, you know, mm. uh, you know, triage tapings, and and. You know. I don't think that would be a problem finding the materials. Let's okay, say, but, but kind things. of doing it in secret. Yes, that 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 is the difficult. I think the whole thing of keeping her physicality secret is going to be difficult. Yes, uh, agreed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what would be the end game to this story? Let's try and get to the end of it, right? What would happen to Ethel? Does she survive? Does she go home? Does she? It's the First World War. She dies. Oh. I, Does she at least die in the arms of, you know, her, her the colonel who she grows to love or, you know, Billy who she used to love but has grown distant yeah, she, from? So I like the idea of it's somewhere, maybe they're out in no man's land, right? Yes. And there's a wonderful moment where they're all shelled. Maybe the colonel dies or maybe Mickey dies. I'm yeah, not sure. Mickey dies, the colonel survives. But the colonel's super injured and they're both super injured and they're stuck in a trench and you have this really long scene of them talking in the trench and revealing all and talking about their insecurities, their worries, like while that. they're stuck a in the trench. openness. Just before they, you know, the Germans come upon them and finish them, you know. Oh, so it's just simple, brutal as it was. I, I think you have to be with the First World War. I think, yeah, I think you can't have that brutal reality that everyone dies at the end. It was fine. We're going to follow this cool person. Aren't they cool? I think they just go out to the German trenches and, you know, they're on this sort of photography spy mission. And it all goes horrendously wrong. Yeah. But the up the uptick at the end of the movie, right, 
is her photography when it comes back. Ah, right. It, it, it opens up the war. Right? Changes public perception of the war. Precisely, and they love get it. they get to see the bad side of the war, and her photography changes the world. You know, uh, I think that's the uptick is just her work, her art. You know, or her photography of the trenches and the dead people in the trenches and the Tommies in the trenches and, and even suffering. like maybe the more positive stuff, like a group of guys hanging out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. The whole the whole story. Uh, and, you know, it ends up she's included in, you know, they shall not grow old. <laughs> you know, maybe I like she was that. The one of the okay, so I'm going to write down that she, her, her posthumous photographs changed the public perception yeah. of the war. So, what might be the most difficult part of this? Yeah. Giving it a name. Oh, crap. Well, what, if this was written as a, as a kind of war novel or a war a movie, film, yeah. yeah. What would it be called? Photographs of no man's land. No, oh, that's just too too on the nose. It's pictures like, of pictures of nowhere. Pictures of nowhere. Fucking love it. It's beautifully pretentious as well, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there ends the movie. Pictures of nowhere. Well, I quite like that. You know, I feel quite a connection to this lady. So yes, thank you, Ethel. Uh, it's been nice getting to know you. By the end of the by the end of the war, I think she died. Uh, a year before the war finished. Okay. So probably in... So it's 1917, roughly, something like that. Yeah. So she was, like, maybe 19, so it's pretty fucking sad. Yeah, kid, but basically. she but knew what she was doing. Yeah. She knew what she wanted she to be doing. She felt a dream and was a great photographer and, you know, met some interesting people along the way. Yes, yeah. better a life lived in adventure and death than boredom and sustainability. Yeah, just being Existence. fat and bored and lonely. Yeah, just working in t- mill. Yes, uh, so, yes, yeah, so, an interesting life away from England, in the mud and the, the, and the torture. And but- helping to illuminate subjects and tell people about something, right? Yeah. That's worthwhile. All right, uh, thank you so much this week. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you for coming along. Thank you for listening to Ethel's story. Uh, uh, hopefully you guys will uh, happily take photos in her memory uh, even though it's a fake memory well I'd like to ask the audience what's your favourite photo you've ever seen maybe your favourite mm. photo you've ever taken as well we all take photos on our phones so you must have a favourite one or something you really like mm. tell us about that what's your favourite war do you have a war <laughs> that you enjoy <laughs> ah, the great war the best war <laughs> you can find us on YouTube and Twitter and you can find us on our website thespeculationstation.com yeah. also the, all the fancy places you can get uh, podcasts like iTunes, Stitcher, G Podder, wherever you can think of, all of those. You'll find us. Yeah. Google's the, always there. Use the fucking internet, you twats. Oh, you twats. Yeah. Speaking of that, we'll see you twats next time for another object, another discussion, more speculation, and hopefully another great story about someone like Ethel Grey. Yes. All right, guys. Take care. See you next time. Bye. Speculation station.